Welcome to The Perspectivalist. Our agenda is to offer a perspective of the world that allows you to think more clearly as a Christian. We want the normativity of scriptures to be the starting point of everything we do. So thanks for joining the conversation. This is season five, episode two, and I am your host, Yuri Brito. One of the joys I've had over the last few years is just to be around some great people as I travel throughout the country and have the opportunity to build some alliances through networking and with people of all sorts of theological traditions. I've had a chance to meet various Lutheran scholars and Baptist scholars and Anglican scholars and a lot of Reformed scholars. And But I also have the joy of bringing a lot of them to my home here in Pensacola so that they can taste a little bit of the, our white sand beaches, and enjoy a bit of the intoxicating pleasures of sweet tea. And uh, one of the guys that I had a chance to have here in Pensacola recently was Keith Foskey. There was such an intense desire to get Keith here that we were, for months and months and months, enticing him with videos about food and drink and all sorts of festivities, and eventually... Uh, thanks be to God, Keith was able to make his little pilgrimage here to Pensacola. So, Keith, welcome to the Perspectivalist. Thank you, Pastor Yuri, and thank you again for your hospitality. You have a beautiful family, a wonderful church, and a good group of men that I enjoyed speaking with and uh, fellowshipping with. So, thank you again. My pleasure to have you, my brother. When you came, and one of the topics that we wanted you to address to the men was the topic of comedy in the Christian life, and you came and you did such a, a great address, and that uh, that lecture is now available on the, the YouTube page and your your page and, and ours as well. It was so well received. Uh, some of our kids uh, this past Lord's Day were talking about Mr. Foskett coming here, so you, you left a, a lasting impression on our little covenant tribe here. But I want to talk about comedy as a, as a biblical theme, something that you brought up from the book of Proverbs. And I want to begin by just talking about it and then get your, your response, if you don't mind, Keith. And one way that I have thought about comedy is through the lens of, of Psalm chapter 2. Uh, the nations build this conspiracy against God and his anointed. And then Psalm 2 says God laughs them in derision. And you can just hear this uh, gigantic cosmic laughter against the forces that appear to be of equal measure to, to God, and he laughs. And what's interesting is that when we sing Psalm 2, we have a Genevan tune here, but there's a section of Psalm 2 that is very fitting when you get to the second part of it that would go something like this, and I'm just sort of mimicking here. I'm, I'm Anybody familiar with Psalm 2, the Genevan? And it goes something like this uh, through a laughter motif. Uh, it goes like this, ha, 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 ha. Ha, 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 ha. That's the tune of Psalm 2. And it goes, it talks about how God scorns them in derision, as Calvin translated that in Psalm 2. But it plays on the theme of laughter and mockery, meaning that the last laugh belongs to God. Men laugh at us, they mock us, but the last laugh become to God. So for you, as you have thought through this issue very carefully, what does the laughter of God against his enemies look like in the life of a Christian? Well, I think for one thing, it's an encouragement to us that we are 
we we're on the winning side. We're on the side that gets to have the last mm. laugh. Uh, there 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 are so many times where in this in this difficult world that we're in, and it is difficult at times. It can feel like the enemy has victory. It can feel like we are. Um, we are just on the the perpetual losing side, and um, you know the the <laughs> the one thing I'm encouraged by by my post millennial brothers like yourself is 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 that you you know there's always that eye toward the victory. There's always that eye toward the fact that uh, the gospel is going to succeed, the gospel is not going to fail, and that God is going to have the last laugh. And so uh, I think that is. That's the encouragement of, of that psalm, and it's the encouragement of our faith uh, that we don't live with some kind of just head in the, you know, head hanging down, droopy, you know, jawed, uh, you know, pointing our toe into the ground and, and, and you know, twisting our feet. Right. We're, we're actually, we're head up, chest back, or, or shoulders back, chest forward, you know, marching you know, to, uh, w- with the triumph of, of the cross. And so I think that's the, the great thing is we can laugh. And, and then that translates into laughter in life because I can, I can see something and I can say, yeah, there's, there's badness here, but God is winning. God is still on his throne. So. That's great. One of the things we, we talked about, uh, in the past and when were you here, we talked about this, this Chestertonian idea about uh, when Chesterton writes that uh, angels can laugh because they take themselves lightly. When we talk about masculinity even, right? You talk about masculinity, there's a sense in which masculinity is described as this uh, sober and somber, the kinds of men who have to be always uh, equipped to beat someone up at two o'clock in the morning in their Twitter feeds. But how, how have you seen as a pastor, how have you encouraged your congregation uh, maybe even specifically men, just to take yourselves lightly, to rejoice and laugh at the right things, because it's not only the best medicine, but it's also the best form of masculinity, right? Yeah, and that, I, I love the way you said that, and I may have to steal that. I, <laughs> it's not only the best medicine, it's the best way to be masculine. I think that's true. I think we, we are men who... I said this in my speech, so I don't want to be too repetitive, but but for, for the audience who hasn't heard this, I said, a man who cannot be serious cannot be trusted. So a man has to be able to be serious. But Chesterton said that the, the opposite of, of serious or the opposite of funny is not serious. The opposite of funny is not funny, mm-hmm. right? You can be serious and still be funny. And I think uh, Doug Wilson who obviously we both have, uh, you know, uh, a lot of uh, affection for. I appreciate Doug and many of the things that he says. And he shows that you can be serious and still be funny. You can you can be serious and still take a a um, a, a degree of winsome tartness. I, I, I love that phrase. You know, be able to 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 poke at something with. And his level of humor and his level of intelligence is very high. So he's able to he's able to pull things out that some people some people don't even understand why it's funny. But he'll say something, and I'll think, man, that's really funny. But it's a it's a certain intellectual humor that you know not everybody is necessarily going to get. But there that is part of it. It's it, it's it's being able to be serious and yet at the same time not be so serious that we think that should make us a curmudgeon. I think that's the right way to say that word. Curmudgeonism yeah. is not Christianity. That that We have to realize that. Being sourpusses Amen. is not Christianity. And so, yeah. 
I love that. And I think that also ought to play in the way we, we do things as men, right? I think you, you saw a little bit of this here in Pensacola, and I'm sure you do. That's very common there in uh, where you are in the Jacksonville area there. When men come together, uh, camaraderie builds a certain level of levity. And what that allows us to do is it allows us to make fun of each other. I'm always, I, I, you mentioned this, and I thought it was very uh, astute, is that when men or even pastors, right? Those of us who hold positions of leadership, uh, if we can't be made fun of, uh, I, I don't want to submit to the kind of man who can't see himself lightly. Like There's all sorts of things that if you and I were to spend a day in a room together, all sorts of things that would just say, man, that is just so weird. And if we're not able to bring that out, <laughs> in, in fact, I think, Keith, that when when men are able to poke fun at each other, what we are doing in the process is we are expressing each other's humanity in the right way. I agree a hundred percent. If I, in this, I'll actually, I'm going to bring my brother into this. My brother and I, he's my stepbrother. We, we, I met him when I was seven years old, right after my parents divorced. And he came into my life in a very important part. He was five years older than me. He was, I was seven. He was 12. I think that's the right math. I'm bad at math. But, 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 but anyway, when he came into my life, he became my older brother overnight, you know, as, as, as God brought him into my life. And, and through, our, through the years, we have, we have this constant relationship of, of, of joking with one another. And our whole life, you know, we talk in movie quotes and we talk in jokes and we talk, but it's because we love each other and, and we know each other probably outside of my wife. I probably know him better than just about anyone. And, 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 and that relationship is, is built so much on the laughs that we have had and the joys that we've had. And in times he went, he went through a, a, a very difficult divorce. And um, I remember being able to help him laugh some, even the, even when it was hard, being able to be with him during that time and, 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 uh, stories that I, you know, are, are going to be kept between he, he and I forever. But at the same time, I can at least share, there were moments where I think he was great. He was glad I was his brother and I was glad I was his brother because in that moment we, we took a, a we took our relationship to a different level because we were able to face that hard tragedy with, some level of laughter and 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 so again like i said that when i was at when i was in pensacola there are times where la comedy becomes therapy it becomes the only the the the, the ability to laugh mm. in a moment of of severe difficulty can be the 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 thing that helps us through so i know i kind of went off on a little tangent there but yeah no no that's great one of the things i have so appreciated about what you have done in the last uh, couple of years that I've, I've known of you, is to, to properly point out the, the, um, the humor and the natural inconsistencies that we all have as human beings. And I think, I think comedy, of course, the genesis of comedy is human inconsistency, right? If we were all consistent, there wouldn't be much, much to be comedic about. But it's our it's our inconsistency in some ways our human uh, our hypocrisy our sins that make life uh, in some ways funny and repentance in some ways is a form of comedic exercise because to repent is to turn your head to something else it is to change the script immediately and I, I think that's so you've done that so well I, I'd be curious to 
um, ask you a little bit of question about your history and in, in delving into comedy. I know the story, and you, this is for another time, but you uh, were funny from the beginning. You always had a, a love for funniness. Uh, what was the what was the thing or what, what was the event that sort of catapulted you from a funny guy locally to a funny guy nationally and even internationally? Well, it was, you know, I, I joke, I say nobody knew who I was till I put on the bow tie, right? That was, um, the, 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 this, this, this one little piece of cloth has, 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 has gone a long way. And all it is, is, you know, I, I said, um, and I told you this, my wife had the idea. She said, um, you know, what if all the denominations were in a room talking to each other? And I said, well, I'll just play the part of the different denominations and I'll be so exaggerative of everyone's, you know, everyone's peculiarities. And because I've been in the ministry now 18 years, I've, I've been in friendships with so many different denominational leaders and I've had conversations with different people. And, and so I was able to sort of draw that in and say, okay, here's where this guy's, here's where this guy doesn't realize he's kind of a jerk or here's where this guy doesn't realize he's kind of a knucklehead. And here's where this guy doesn't realize he's really missing it. And, and none of that is to say I'm being mean. I'm not trying to be mean spirited. I'm trying to point out things that are funny. You know, the, the, the whole superior theology stick came from a Thanksgiving episode I did of the denominations where each denomination was giving thanks for something like the, the big Eva was giving thanks for smoke machines and laser lights. Right. And, and, and the, 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 the Pentecostal was giving thanks for um, I forget. It was just something very Pentecostal, but when it came to the Presbyterian, he held up the Westminster standards. I have them there right over there if I could reach them, but he, they held up the Westminster standards and he said, I'm thankful for superior theology. And he held up the Westminster standards and, <laughs> and, and that hit a note with so many people because the people who are not Presbyterian said, yeah, that's what they think. And the people who were Presbyterian said, yes, that is what we think. <laughs> like we're like, we have the best theology and this converged where I was teasing, but it wasn't, it wasn't taken harshly. They knew it was a joke, but they loved it. There are Presbyterians that buy yeah. my shirts. I sell shirts that say superior theology. They wear them and come and take <laughs> pictures with me because they want people to know this is, you know, this is, the, this is it. So yeah, it, it, you know, you tease about what's in, in many ways true, right? It's, you know, there, there in comedy is truth, right? Uh, what, what was it? Uh, the the um, remember Tombstone the movie Tombstone I have the poster right here. Oh yeah, where um, yeah. Um, Doc Holliday is talking to Johnny Ringo and he says "In vino veritas," which is Latin for "In wine is truth." Means if you want to know what somebody yes. really thinks, uh, give them some wine and they'll tell you what they think. That's what, "In vino veritas" is one of my favorite phrases because I think also we could say "In comedy is truth." Right? Where do we find the truth? Mm. It's 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 in comedy. It's when I'm when I'm joking about you, I'm usually telling you the thing that's most true. And if you listen to it, you're going to hear something that's probably something you may not want to hear, but because you're laughing, you're willing to hear it. Yeah, I, I think that's great. And uh, comedy has to make sense of stereotypes, which the you know in the Book of Titus, the Paul Paul says that all Christians are liars. And if you were to survey the Christian population, I'm sure there would be that one guy who would say, nope, I'm not a liar. But 
these are inspired words, right? These are inspired words, which in some ways it's a comedic piece. <laughs> All Christians are liars. Well, not statistically, but there's something unique about the Christian culture that makes them liars. And I think the same way when you're talking about denominations, there's something true about these things, which is why your stuff, I think, so resonates with so many of us, because I think you're you're speaking into the cultural truthfulness that sometimes we don't want to reveal. But when we open ourselves up to one another, we're like, yep, that's who we are. That's exactly who we are. And it's funny when I get it wrong, because there have been a few times where I've <laughs> where I've gotten it wrong. Like like last year, not not this Super Bowl, but last Super Bowl, uh, 2023, I did a Super Bowl party. The denominations go to a Super Bowl party. And one of the the the, the Presbyterian was there, he had a beer. They didn't, and I got so many messages. It wasn't the fact that he had a beer; it was the fact that he was at the party on the Sabbath that the, that 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 he was violating the fourth commandment, and that they wouldn't do that. And so I missed it. I I didn't I didn't recognize that they wouldn't have gone to the party because that's violating the fourth commandment. So there are times where it's like, okay, all right, I I maybe I that would have been more funny to say, yeah, well, the Presbyterian didn't come because. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's on. It's on the Lord's day. So you know, yeah. It is funny, and we. By the, by the way, just for the record, we call those cranky Presbyterians, and they, um, <laughs> they, 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 they find way to suck the joy out of the Lord's day as often as possible. But I, Keith, I, I want to uh, thank you for your uh, your time with us here, at the Perspectivalist. I want to ask sort of a final question here as we as we come to a close. If you're uh, encouraging people in uh, people at a congregational level who are going through suffering right now, they've lost a loved one and they are really asking questions about meaning. What is this life about? What would be your gospel encouragement to them as, as somebody who is a, a pastor, a writer, uh, but also a comedian as well? How, how would you approach a struggling Christian trying to find um, meaning in their existence? That's a really, that's a powerful question, and and it, I'm going to step away from the comedy just for a minute because I, you know, a relationship often has to be built before, you know, any type of humor, or anything can be injected where it wouldn't be considered crass or out of place. So if if this is somebody in my congregation who loves me and I love them and they know me, I want them to know first of all that no matter what they are suffering, that God is not absent in their suffering. And so I would want to, I would want them to know that in the midst of this trial, in the midst of this persecution, in the midst, in the midst of this loss, that God has not abandoned them to this, to suffer alone, but that God has provided to them the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within them to, to be the one, you know, we, we look at that word comforter, in, in the King James Version, um, it comes from the Latin come forte, which means with strength, right? The word forte we know about in music means strength. And so the reason why the King James translators translated perikletos as comforter or comforter is, is because he is the one who strengthens us. God within us strengthens us. And therefore, if we are suffering, if we are hurting, understand that God is still with us and he has not abandoned us and that these present sufferings are real. They are not something to simply be ignored. 
um, grieving should be a process that people go through. They should not ignore it. They should not take Romans 8.28 and slap somebody and say, hey, God's going to work this out for good, therefore you shouldn't grieve. No, no. Uh, Abraham grieved when Sarah died. The, the, the sons of Israel died when, or grieved when Jacob died, right? The, the, the grief is a part of who we are and we can experience grief. And if we don't, if we ignore grief and we, this is why I'm going to say something, this is way off the subject, but a lot of times people want to, they, they want to cover over the idea of a funeral. I do a lot of funerals. I grew up working for a funeral home. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that. I, I've, I, I, I've done over 150 funerals for people I've never met because I work with a local funeral wow. home. And, and one of the things that I think is dangerous is we sanctif- or we sanitize death. We say, oh, it's not a funeral, it's a homegoing service, or it's not a funeral, it's a celebration of life. Because we don't want to deal with the grief, and we don't want to deal with the pain, and we don't want to face it. So we sanitize it, and we hide it. We put it, you know, we, we, we hide our cemeteries behind big stone walls. We do everything we can to not have to face death. We don't want to go to the funerals anymore. And people don't do funerals anymore. Now they're doing, you know, they go to parks and have parties or whatever. They don't want to do an actual funeral. They don't want to give death its due. They don't want to give death the, mm. the, 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 the reality that, yes, this, is hurt, this hurts. And it's not, you know, when God created the world, death is an enemy. Death is an obstruction. Death came in as, a, as an enemy right. that is to be defeated and is only defeated in Christ. And so I don't want to preach to your people, but, but this is where I would say we have no. to acknowledge the grief before we can begin to heal. We have to go through the process of this before we can begin to heal. Now, can comedy be something that can help us heal? Yes, but not before. It can't replace grief. It can only be something that comes later and helps us through the grief. And that's anything. So I hope that's helpful in, in what you were asking. Yeah, that's that's very helpful. And it reminds me of Aaron's benediction in Numbers when he says, um, the Lord make his face to shine upon you, which can also be translated May God's smile be upon you. And that is, I think, in some ways, may God's comedy, may his humor, may his laughter come upon you in your time of grief and in your warfare. Keith Foskey, I hope you'll get a chance to check out his uh, his podcast. He has been relatively uh, very productive, we might say, in these last couple of years. And we'll make that information available to all the links in our podcast notes. Keith, thank you very much for joining us in the Perspectival. Thank you, Pastor Uri, and I appreciate you so much.